0: so we're gonna continue in a series that we kicked off last week called Gifts. And last week, We looked at Romans chapter 12 where it lists some of the gifts uh, that that God gives his church in order to to serve his church and to serve uh, the world and to reach the world. And and we looked at those and one of them that we focused in on last week was the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy we talked about wasn't just foretelling and kind of fortune telling of things that was to come, but it also included just bringing words of encouragement and speaking words of life into people and, you know god lays a, a scripture on your heart or something and you you just kind of share that with one another to encourage or you see somebody doing something positive and you come alongside them to just encourage them to keep going and And allowing God to do the work in their life, and uh, you know, uh, on Wednesday we had an amazing uh, prayer time. Uh, I know here at Mount Hope uh, we we had just a time where we didn't have anybody really on the altar. We brought everything down, had a time of worship and prayer, and it was just such a beautiful time. And at the end of it, uh, where there were several people that I just kind of opened it up, and I was like, "Hey." Who feel like? Do you feel like God's speaking something to you? Scripture or something that you want to share? And it was just amazing to see how, uh, you you know, we had uh, younger people and older people and men and women who would come and share a word. And as they're just sharing a scripture that God spoke to them, it's ministering to the body and and people are being encouraged and everything. And that's how prophecy is supposed to work. It it doesn't have to be a thus saith the Lord type situation, you know. It, It can be a simple thing of, hey, I just wanted to share this with you feel like God was speaking this to me today and and just kind of share that word of encouragement. And, you know, last week we talked about how some of the gifts that God gives to the church are listed in Romans chapter 12 and the others are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. So today we're gonna go over to 1 Corinthians 12. If you have your Bible, you can pull it out or you can pull out your notes or even in the church app, there's a sheet there that you can pull up the notes uh, and track along there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse one says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so he starts this this transition of making sure that the church understands uh, how spiritual gifts are supposed to work. In 1 Corinthians 12, he identifies the spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about how they're supposed to work in love. In 1 Corinthians 14, he talks even more specifically of how things look when you're in a corporate setting and when you're in a church setting. But we're going to look today just at the list that he lists here of some of the spiritual gifts. We're going to drop down to verse 4. It says, Now there are a variety of gifts... But the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them in everyone. I think it's very important that you're going to see here that He over and over says that this is the same Spirit, this is the same Lord, this is the same. uh, You know, it's a oneness that that He talks about here, even though it looks different. He says there's a variety of things. It may may look a little bit different. Even like we talked about with prophecy, sometimes it is a thus saith the Lord thing. Sometimes it's a scripture that somebody has on their heart. Sometimes it's just a word of encouragement. Prophecy may look different in situations, but it's the same Lord, same spirit in how that it works. It goes on. It says that each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Again, last week we talked about that prophecy is to build up, not to tear down. And and these gifts are used to build the church, not tear down the church. Uh, It says for to one is given uh, through the Spirit the, the utterance of wisdom. To others, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another... Faith by the same Spirit, to another, healing by one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, uh, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions each one as he wills. Now, I think that's a very important phrase when you think about gifts, especially even this time of year, uh, because if you're a parent, your kids probably will make you a, a list a mile long of all of the things that they want or that they think that they have to have as their gifts. But as a good parent, you don't just give your kid everything that they want sometimes you have to give them a gift that they need. Sometimes you, you have to say no to a gift because you know that gift would harm them. And, and so then you will what gifts you're going to buy and you give those. Even though your kids sought them, it doesn't mean that you are an under obligation to give them. And it's the same way with God. Even though we may seek a particular gift, he's not under obligation to give us that specific gift. God gives the gift as He wills. You got to think that God is living on a much bigger uh, uh, mind concept of stuff than what we are. He, before we even lived one day, He wrote out every day of our life. He it says that before we even lived a day, that He gave us everything that we need for life and for godliness. God has been thinking about your life and planning out your life, and He knows exactly what gifts you need in order to accomplish the things. That he wants you to accomplish in your life. It's not by what we choose. It it says, we read in in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, earnestly desire these gifts. But again, if you don't get the specific gift that you desire, it doesn't mean that you don't have any gift. Because he talks about how he gives gifts to everyone. And I think one of the gifts that I'm going to kind of focus in on today is the gift of faith. Because I think faith is a gift that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people have, have uh, taught things wrong on it. I think sometimes the teachings that we have, we have more faith in faith than we have faith in God. And we have to understand, or there's other people who think that they don't have any faith whatsoever. Because they've been taught, well, if you didn't receive your healing, then that means that you don't have faith. But I can tell you, sometimes it takes more faith to walk through the dark days and still serve God than to get what you want every time you pray. Sometimes it takes more faith to believe that God loves you even though you're kind of struggling in things that he still cares for you and you still continue to love him and serve him and do the things he asked you to do even though your feelings and emotions aren't up to to par where if you just got everything that you want it really doesn't take faith. It doesn't take faith that if you believe if I do a b c I will always get d. But it takes faith To keep doing things even when you don't see things working out the the way that you hoped. And that's what it even talks about in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, faith is the the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So some of you may think you don't have any faith. But scripture tells us that he gives us faith in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says, for through the grace that was given to me, I say to everyone, say everyone, Come on, somebody's going to say everyone. everyone. Among you, not to think more highly of themselves than, than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each. So each one, each individual, God has allotted a measure of faith. I mean, you think about this, like it takes some faith to believe that a man was born of a virgin in a manger, and that, that, that this baby that was born would grow up, and because of his death now, I can enter into heaven one day, enter into relationship with him, and, and I'll go to heaven one day and, 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 and serve a God that I've never seen, and that the heaven is going to be far greater than anything I've imagined. Like, that takes a little bit of faith, so God gives us the faith that we need to begin to activate salvation, to begin to activate our relationship with him, and to begin to activate the gifts that we have. In verse 6 of Romans 12, it says we all have different gifts according to the grace that was given to us. If one's gift is prophecy, let him use it according to the, uh, the proportion to his faith. And then it begins to talk about if you have the gift of giving, then give it generously. If you have the gift of leadership, then lead. If you have the, the gift of service, then serve. What's he saying? Like for these gifts to operate, there has to be some faith to take the step and, and, and begin to operate it. To begin to see it work in your life. So faith is a gift that God gives us, but faith also is the gift that would determine if we use the other gifts that God offers us. Because if we don't step out and speak that word of encouragement, if we don't don't step out and serve, many people have been wounded by the church and things, and so they're, they're, they're leery of getting involved in serving in church because they're afraid that they may get hurt again because they don't trust the church. See, here's the thing. You don't have to trust the church. You need to trust God, and he says, if I've given you a gift of service, then let him serve. And we need need those connections and things and and begin to grow. But here's the thing about faith is faith isn't something that God desires that it stays the same, just the measure that he's given you. God desires that your faith will grow. You remember the verses that he talks about if you have faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed that you can speak to the mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea and it will happen. And in another place, in, in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about that, that same grain of, of, of faith, of mustard seed, and it says, he told him another parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like the grain of a mustard seed. A man took it and he sowed it into his field, and the smallest of all seeds, when it had grown up, became large, one of the larger than all the garden plants, and it became a tree so that the birds could, of the air could make nests in its branches. What's he saying? Like, and I think it's even interesting that out of all the seeds he could have chosen, he chose a mustard seed. And he says, this mustard seed, if you plant it, this mustard seed, if you nourish it, if you water it, then it will grow far beyond what you can imagine. And that's the thing that God wants to do is He wants us to grow in our faith in his walk in our walk with him. I think one of the areas specifically, that God has dealt with me over the course of my life is in the area of finances and trusting God for more in my finances and the resources that I have. Now, I grew up without a whole lot. My my dad worked two jobs and my mom worked and everything, but yet we we didn't have very much. We I mean, we still. Uh, received clothing vouchers and food stamps and different things like that. I got one pair of shoes a year, and that one pair of shoes that I got was at, at the time when we got clothing vouchers. And it wasn't Nikes, and it wasn't anything. It was like the cheap generic stuff that you could get at Kmart because it wasn't even Walmarts or Targets or anything around then. It's just like whatever you could find. It was the fake. I remember when everybody had the Reebok pumps, I had the spawning and it had a little basketball that looked like a little pump, but it didn't do anything. I still on a basketball court would bend down and pump that thing up and take somebody to the hole and school them, you know? It didn't stop me. Just imagine how good I would have been with Reebok pumps, man. I've been faking it the whole time. But I knew... Like there was a tendency to hoard and to hold on to things and and not to give or or to be afraid of of letting things go. There's so many things that God has done in my life of of asking me to to release things. Not just money, but I remember one time when uh, I had been given a guitar and it was like a really nice guitar, like a $1,500 guitar. I had bought, and I knew I could never afford another one of those, and so when we started at church here, I know this might be hard for some of y'all to believe, but I actually led worship and played guitar uh, as we started the church, and the minute I got off the altars, when the church just blew up. Like, I mean, it just multiplied. Everybody started coming in. Jamie talked about how great the worship was as soon as I was gone and all that, but I remember having that guitar, and I wasn't using it. But there was part of me that I couldn't let go of the guitar because I'll never get another one like this again. And What if I need it one day? What if I I need to do this again? And and I I may pick it up every six months or so and, and play it a little bit. And God began to deal with me. You need to give that guitar away. You need to give that guitar away. You need to give it. You need to give it. You need to give it. And I wrestled with God. And I argued with God for about two months and didn't want to release that guitar. And then finally... I released it. And I'm telling you, nothing happened. Nobody came and bought me a $5,000 guitar because I gave that. But there was something in me that changed. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to hoard anything. And it's something that, you know, especially when you grow up without a whole lot, it, it's, it's like a poverty mentality. And, and you want to hold on and you're less generous, you're more fearful and when it comes into the area of finances and stuff. And I thank God that I've had people come and and it kind of expose that to me, that I had that poverty. And, and over the course of time, I've watched how God has been increasing my faith when it comes but I remember a particular trip. I was uh, on a trip with some business owners and stuff to Africa, and they were we were there to help start uh, the the church in Haley, Haley, and to start a campus there that the uh, the Church International was doing. and It was a bunch of business owners who were coming because they had invested and helped make that uh, church happen. And so I was able to go along because we were looking at the possibility of planting churches there and and, and everything. And I remember they're just talking and just laughing about different things that they owned and different things that happened and a certain amount of money. And they were like, oh, it's just money. We'll make more tomorrow. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you might make more, but it would take me like five years to make enough to pay for that. Like, And just this whole mindset stuff. And I remember Pastor Joe pulling me aside because of either something that I said and whatever. And he said, Brandon, you've got to break that poverty mentality in your life. Like, if you're going to do what God is asking you to do, you're going to have to believe him for finances. I remember when John Bevere came up here a few years ago. And we're, I'm, I picked him up from the airport, and we're talking and, and everything, and he's just talking with me and, and stuff. And he, he just began to kind of prophesy about things that he saw in our church and that he felt God was going to do in our church and, and stuff. And, and he said, Brandon, i got to tell you something right now. You've got to stop limiting God's and You've got to start believing him for bigger things in your area of finances. Yeah. And then he began to, like, tell me a bunch of stuff, And his son, who travels with him all the time, pulled me aside. He said, I want you to know something. I've been with him, and he has spent time with a ton of pastors. I've never seen him speak to a pastor the way he's speaking to you right now. And I want you to realize it's because he truly sees something. He knows God's wanting to do something. I don't want you to think he just talks to every pastor like this. This This is God trying to speak to you through him. I remember different passages just coming up. Like one of them was Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. It says, There's one who scatters yet increases all the more. But there's one who withholds what is justly due, and yet the result is only in one. The generous man will prosper, and the one who waters will be himself watered. And I remember reading different Proverbs and things like this, and God just beginning to speak to me through his word. And then I began to look at what God's done in my life. Over the course of time, when I first started in uh, ministry, uh, I actually went to Bible college. And that's when I met Melody and and uh, we, we felt like we were going to get married and, and everything. And so I, after that time when I was there, I went to Pennsylvania because I was helping a friend of mine plant a church up there. And, uh, there was an apartment that was in the church, but somebody was staying in it. And so I was supposed to be able to move in that apartment. And Melody, when we got married, was going to move to Pennsylvania. We were going to live in that apartment and help this church. And the, the church had taken on a big building and, and all these things, the apartment got held up. So they literally just framed in a corner of the sanctuary. They just built some temporary walls the inside of it was like i could see the back of the sheetrock and the studs they didn't even finish the inside and i had everything a bachelor needed i had a mattress i had a microwave and i had a refrigerator i mean what else do you need you need something to cook your Raymond noodles you need something to keep your your milk for your cereal warm or your cool you know all of those things you know and I remember being there, and as the church went on, at first, I was getting paid a little bit. It was still early, early on in the church, and they they would pay all the bills, and then whatever was left, they gave a little percentage to the pastor, they gave a percentage to me, and, and then they put some in the bank for future months and bills and everything. And then when they were starting up, that they were just trying to keep us going like that. And I remember there'd be some times I might get $75, $100 or something, and there were other times I didn't get a penny. And there was this one particular time because winter had hit and you know utility bills go up in the winter and everything, and uh, I hadn't been paid in a couple weeks, and I had $2 left in my pocket. I had enough to get me a couple 49-cent cheeseburgers from Burger King at the time, and Maybe buy me a couple more packages of ramen noodles to eat on for the next couple days. And I'm in a church service and they have this missionary come in and God starts dealing with me about the $2 that's in my pocket. And I'm like, God, it's $2. Like, I need my 49-cent cheeseburgers today. I'm going to be eating ramen noodles the rest of the week. Like, I'm living in a hole in the church. I have no bathroom. If I needed to go to the bathroom, I had to go out to the bathroom that was in the church. If I needed to take a shower, I had to call someone in the church and go to their house or their apartment that lived nearby for me to be able to go do this. I'm like, I'm suffering enough for you. I need my $2. And I just started feeling like you got to give it. You got to give it. And so after church, I gave it. When they took up the offering, I gave the $2. And then after church... You know, there was a tendency that because people knew I was a single guy and wasn't making a whole lot of money at the church, I'd get invited to somebody's house for lunch or be invited out for lunch. And so I went and I made sure I stayed by the door, shaking everybody's hand who had ever invited me over because, like, I need some food. And nobody invited me at all that week. And I was like, okay, maybe there'll be enough offering And I might get paid. And so after they went and they did their whole thing and stuff, the pastor comes out of the room. He's like, we ain't getting nothing this week. I'm like, but I ain't got nothing. Nothing in my refrigerator, nothing. And I remember hearing a knock. I went back to my my little hole in the church and laid down on my mattress on the floor and. And I remember hearing somebody knock at the door of the church, and I went to go see who it was, and it was one of the uh, families, somebody who attends the church. And so I opened it up, and I was like, "Hey, did y'all, forget something, you know?" And stuff. It was like, "Hey, listen, God told me to do this at church, but I didn't. I didn't listen, and he handed me a fifty-dollar bill. And so I realized, like, see God provide and and everything, and you know, just. Builds a little bit of faith. Okay, I did hear God. That wasn't, you know. I remember a few years later, me and Melody are married. We're in Louisiana and we're living in Walker and we got a little trailer and Eden is just a baby. And uh, it, it, we had, uh, I'd had a job and stuff that was supposed to be lined up and didn't end up working out. I, I, I had a youth pastor position I was working and so I was in transition. Uh, into a new job and attending a new church and stuff and uh, and once again we've got two dollars in our bank account and our refrigerator and stuff was pretty bare, rent was due the next day and like I had nothing this is a time when I'm raking leaves, cleaning gutters washing dogs, doing whatever I can to try to earn some money absolutely nothing and me and Melody just sit there, and she was just like, "What are we gonna do?" And we just both started laughing. I don't know if we were laughing to keep from crying or what, but we just started laughing, and just like, I don't know, we'll see if we can do something tomorrow. So the next day, I had something that I could go work at somebody's house, and it wasn't gonna pay. Our rent was four seventy-five. It wasn't gonna pay nearly that, but I was gone, and Melody got a phone call. And uh, she said, hey, uh, we're with this insurance company. I'm calling about the accident your husband was in. And she's like, what accident? Like, she, she was, like, kind of panicking. So she calls me real quick. Were you in an accident? I was like, no. What are you talking about? Was some insurance company called? And I was like, oh, I know what that was. That was where that lady backed into my car. And, I mean, just I'm talking, like, little tiny scratch. Tiny, tiny little scratch on the car. Now, this car, let me tell you about this car first, because it wasn't like it was a nice brand new car with a little scratch on it. It was a 1993 Ford Tempo. And if you don't know what that is, it's because they don't make them anymore. <laughs> they retired that model. And it had been wrecked on the other side already. I'd got hit before, and the door was kind of bent in. And so if it rained, it would rain into my car because the door was bent and there was a gap right there at the top. So in order to prevent that from happening, I took some of the good stuff, foam insulation, and foamed the top of it in to where it didn't rain in my car. Now to make it worse, we're in South Louisiana and my windows don't roll down and my air condition doesn't work. That's like a death sentence. It's like driving, you know, driving 45 minutes or whatever, I'm, and it looked like just soaking wet, like I'd been in a, a, a rainstorm or something. Everywhere I showed up, just from sweat, so it wasn't like this was a nice vehicle at all. And so I told him, I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll come by the, the place tomorrow." And I went over to the place, and and uh, they were like, uh, "Look, we've taken pictures and everything. We're going to go cut you a check real quick." And I'm thinking, like, I'm going to get 50 bucks for the thing or the side of it. The car isn't worth $50. So if I got $50, that's a, that's a huge win. And they come out and they have a check for $755. And I'm sitting here like, I'm not getting evicted. <laughs> and, and, and we got grocery money. But when I came home, we didn't even have to spend the rest of the money on groceries because somebody had stopped by the house and brought groceries for us. So I learned that when I give and I'm faithful, God will provide for me. Now I've learned that when we continue to give. And the whole time, like, if I wash a dog and get $10, bucks, i am giving a dollar of it to Jesus. I mean, like I'm tithing and doing, doing those things, you know, that you're supposed to do with money. And so now I see not only can he just take care of me, but he can take care of my family as well which helped me be able to believe God for this as a church. I remember when we started the church, God spoke to me to buy jars and ask the church to put change in jars and bring that, and that would be the fundraising. He wouldn't let me ask people for money. He wouldn't let, like, that was it. He told me, this is what you're going to do. And so we do that, and God provided $15,000 for us to move up to West Virginia And we get up here and that $15,000 is for me and my family of five to live on plus to start the church. Like find a building, find sound equipment, find all the different things that you need. That's not a whole lot of money. And I watched how God consistently just provided over the course of time. And just, just seeing him just provide For that, I remember going over, we're we're looking for a place to have a building. Somebody told me, Tamarack, you can rent Tamarack. And I'm thinking, like, this is going to be crazy expensive, but I'll go see. And I go over and I talk to the people at Tamarack, and I was right. It was crazy expensive to rent it. But I'm a little bit of a negotiator. Like, I I can talk some people down on some stuff, so I I started telling them, I was like, listen, how many Sundays do y'all have a week, a year already planned out? They're like, we only have two events on Sundays. We're pretty wide open. I'm like, I'm offering you 50 more, and then the next year, I'll take all 52. Like, I'll give you consistent income every Sunday, and we're going to bring hundreds of people into your building. Now, at this time, it was us, the woods, and the princes. That's not hundreds of people, but I didn't let them know that we're gonna bring hundreds of people here they're gonna be buying your coffee they're gonna be buying your food they're gonna be shopping here like this is gonna be a beneficial thing to you and stuff and I talked them down to a third of what they wanted originally and I tell you what I still it was hard for me to sign that contract and stuff to do that but week in and week out I saw how God consistently provided every week for what we needed to be able to do that and that enabled me To believe God that when I'm sitting down here in a a meeting at the bottom of the hill at Crossroads Chevrolet with the guy who owned the property here. And he says, hey, I need a $50,000 deposit by the end of the month for the land up there. Can you do that? I hadn't seen $50,000 as a church at all. Like not even close. And something in me was like, yes, sir. And I signed a contract Now I'm going to pay him $50,000 by the end of the month. And can I tell you something? We paid him $50,000 at the end of the month. I saw God provide for me. I saw God provide for my family. I saw him provide a place for the church. I saw him provide, that you know, the, the, now the $50,000. And then right after we turn around and we pay 50000 he's like, hey, do you want me to start developing the land? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I need a down payment on that, too. Well, how much you need? $250,000. You can have to the end of the year to do it. Well, he might as well have been asking me for $2 million and giving me, like, I mean, it's like, okay. I can tell you something. Before the end of the year, on December the 3rd of that year, we write the check for $250,000. Yeah. Step by step. What's God doing? God's increasing my faith. But God's not just increasing my faith. He's increasing my family's faith. He's increasing the prince's faith and the wood's faith. And anybody who is hearing these stories, he's increasing their faith because God's got bigger things. And even when it came time to build this building, we increased the size of this building three times. Because the initial building that we started with was way too small. We started out drawing a building for uh, 10,000 square foot because... We could kind of feel that, and that might be in a note that we could afford and everything. And and I just kept feeling God say, nope, bigger. So I was like, all right, I went up to twelve five. Nope, bigger. And went up to 15. And before you know it, I'm looking at a drawing of a 22,000-square-foot building, but not the budget to pay for the draw (laughs) of what that building was worth and what it would cost. And we prayed about it. And God sent people from, 100 people from outside of the state to come and frame this building. This entire building was framed in a week. Pulled the electrical, hang sheetrock. And over $600,000 in free labor was donated for the building that we're sitting in today. Because I, I didn't stay in the... 10,000 I had to extend My faith to believe for the 22,000 Square foot building and from The first service it was too small And we had to go Multi-service and, and all Of those things as a church, we've always picked one project at a time. Every miracle offering, we, we do one project. The first year, it was like the land, and then it was the, the building, and then it was the community center, and then it was the, the school, and then it was uh, Summersville campus, and, and then it was uh, you know just one project at a time, the food trucks and things as we expand. But now in front of us, we have two. We got Safe Haven that is not a small project in itself. And we've got Sophia building that has been donated that we've got to go in and renovate and stuff. And neither one of those are the thing. I mean, we still got to figure out there's still school things, expansions that we've got to do. There's other areas that that there's a hunger and a need for for campuses and things like that. What's God? He's trying to increase my faith, even in this sermon from I took care of you. I took care of your family. I took care of the church. I had tamarack. I provided the land. I provided the building. Even when we built the the building back here, we had a $600,000 check written for the building back there. Just step by step of just taking a a step of faith, but beginning to believe and beginning to ask God, and he would do it. But it's not even just an area of finances. I remember things God would speak to me, and I would begin to say it, and as soon as I would say it, it sounded crazy coming out of my mouth. I remember being in a kind of staff meeting with Jenny Prince and Melody and some other people, and they were like, so how, you talk about multi-service. When do you think we need to be prepared to go multi-service? I said, in six months. And they looked at me like, we got plenty of room in Tamarack right now. There's no way we're going to need this in six months. But we started the church on August the 19th. We started our second service on February the 19th, exactly six months later, and both services were full. Why? Because it's a a faith journey that God takes us on. And God just wants you to look at the history of what he's done in your life and where he's been with you so that you can increase the faith. Another way that faith comes, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God and through the words of Christ. When you begin to study the word and he speaks things to you, then it begins to build faith. When you begin to hear testimonies of what God is doing in other people's other people, it begins to build faith. But I think one of the biggest things that 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 takes the most faith in, in a lot of areas is to release control of what's in your hand to God. You know, we're being tested in this just as parents that. One of my daughters is getting ready to go to Europe and backpack through Europe on the mission field and, and, and uh, you know, go to a school over there and everything. That, listen, that, that means I, I don't have control. I have to release that. That's, that's faith to believe that God will take care the way that I used to take care of or provide or, or, or protect that now God would take care of and provide it. It may not even be about finances that God is trying to increase your faith. It may be about your children. It may be about your marriage. It may be about your business. But the long and short of it comes, we've got to release control of what's in our hand and just begin to do with what we can. Matthew chapter 14 is a story of where Jesus feeds the multitude with one little boy's lunch. And when that boy held on to his lunch, he was fed. But when he put his lunch in Jesus' hand, Jesus performed miracles, and the multitudes were fed. Think about Safe Haven. With Safe Haven, we just know we can't just go in and just change the drug addiction problem and stuff that's in the area. But what could we do? We could do a banquet. A banquet led to relationships with people and Started building other relationships and stuff to where now, in a year, like I think it's 250 some people receive services and stuff through Safe Haven. And then last year, somebody wrote a six figure check to purchase 20 acres of land, and another organization donated three houses and the building plans three draw uh, three houses of lumber in the building plans to begin to build housing for Safe Haven. All because we just threw a banquet, we just took. The first step with what we had, it was in our hand. You know, this week as I was praying about this, Tyler, will you bring this to me? I just felt like God uh, was speaking to me directly, and, and I want to share it with you, just some thoughts that I wrote down. I was reading in Matthew 13 and 14 and reading through those stories and even reading about the story of the, the little boy, gave his lunch to Jesus and, and I just wrote this because I, I, and I have a feeling that it will speak to some of you because you're probably in the same mindset that I find myself a lot of times where I say, I don't have enough. That's not, what, what difference is that going to make? It's only this. And, you know, when God comes and says, hey, I need you to do this. I'm like, but how? how? Like, we only have. And I start listing the the reasons. So this is what I felt like God spoke to me. Don't minimize what's in your hand. Place what's in your hand into mine. The thought, I only have dot, 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 or it's just dot, 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 are thoughts that are going to stifle your growth. What's in your hand is not the matter. The matter is, will you place it into my hand? A seed as small as a mustard seed becomes a tree that that, that, that birds can nest in. And I just thought about that. You Think about that in in light of gifts. It's, It's not about whether you have a gift. It's about whether you have the faith to use the gift for him. And many of you came prepared to, to give a donation toward these things and to bring an offering to God toward these projects and things. And probably some of you is like, but God, it's only, I, I, it's just, and thinking it's so minimal. But the little boy's lunch, there's no way that it should have ever been able to feed the multitudes. And we always say fed 5,000, but that was 5,000 men. That's not even counting the women and children. You're talking 20 to 30,000 people from one boy's lunch. I have watched, even when we've done the food trucks, we set aside a certain amount of money that we had had raised and we're like, this is what we're gonna put into the, the line item for our food truck. And we're gonna pay for the food trucks out of this. And I have no idea how there's any money left in that. Because I signed the expenditures of how much all this costs. And then I go get the reports and I'm like, Heather, how much is still there? And I'm like, there's no way that's right. There's no way that's right. There's no I like, If we're giving this amount per month and we're still seeing this amount in the, the bank account, how in the world does that add up? And I think it's very much like what the disciples must have experienced as they were passing out the lunch. So they took it and they broke it, and they would give it to somebody. And you, you think like a roll, like a little small loaf of bread. If you take half of it and give it to somebody, then you should only have one other half to give, and then it's gone, right? They would give half, and then give another half, and then break and give another half, and it never ran out. Why? Because they took what they had and they put it in the hand of Jesus. I had somebody ask me before this, and I don't, I don't know if they're sitting in the service now or not. They asked me, and they were like, you know, what do I do? I, I, I think there's this amount of money coming, and I don't know, though. I have no idea how it's coming. So we don't even know if the amount that we want to give, that there's going to be amount enough money to be able to give. The little boy offered his lunch. The widow woman with the cruse of oil, she had enough. She said, I only have enough to feed me and my son and then we're gonna die. But it never ran dry. She had no assurance of tomorrow. She only had the assurance of who held her tomorrow. And she trusted that if you're gonna be able to provide the little bit of oil and the flour that I have now, and you'll provide it for me tomorrow, and you'll provide it for me the next day, and you'll keep providing it for me. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.